back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar giving you the Oscar Sprint Profile Treatment this November 2019, because I'm not sure which date I'm putting this up. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike and co-host also Mike. We're going to have a third co-host for this one. Yes, we got a special guest host that we're going to introduce in a minute. I'm going to keep you the suspense because we're really excited about this one. I like it. Look, I want to get right into the production profile here because we're in racing mode. We're going to make <laughs> a lot of bad racing puns throughout this episode. There's no avoiding it. Yeah, it's no, just that's, gonna it's, be, that's how it goes. It's going to be dorky. It's going to be dad jokey. We are idiots. We're going to put our pedal to the metal, if you will. We're going to put our pedal to the metal. That is terrible. Thank that's you. Almost as bad as what's coming, folks. But here we go. Uh, Ford vs. Ferrari, directed by James Mangold, Oscar-nominated writer-slash-director from Logan, uh, as well as the Hamer of Wolverine, Walk the Line, Girl Interrupted, and Copland. He's, uh, he's been a filmmaker who I've loved throughout his career, uh, makes a lot of positive polished Hollywood pictures I think we're going to talk about as well. Yeah. Screenplay was written by Jez and John Henry Butterworth. They make great syrup. They make great syrup. And uh, they have great southern names. Yeah. Let's just say those are great southern names. <laughs> anyway, from... Henry Butterworth. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, Spectre, and Get On Up, three movies that I really liked. Uh, the Butterworth Brothers behind those. One more screenplay credit goes to Jason Keller of Escape Plan and Machine Gun Preacher, Mike. Did you have thought the guy from Escape Escape plan penned some of the dialogue in this. That's that's kind of impressive. No, I but I, yeah. the Butterworths, I could see that. But uh, no, I, I didn't see Machine Gun Preacher. I didn't like Escape Plan. I don't know about you. Uh, what do you mean you didn't like Escape Plan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I stepped on a landmine there, folks. It's Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Oh God! <laughs> of course, Ford vs. Ferrari does start Matt Damon and Christian Bale. No Schwarzenegger and Stallones to be had no. here, but that's all right. We'll take what we can get. Catriona Balfe. From Outlander also stars in this as well. So does Lady Bird's Tracy Letts, The Punisher's John Bernthal, Honey Boy's Noah Jupe, and A Beautiful Mind's Josh Lucas. They're all in this as well. Production did begin on this July 30th of last year, 2018, and the shoot went 67 days, hopping around the U.S. and California, New Orleans, and Savannah, as well as making the trek to Le Mans themselves in France. Yeah, the film premiered at the Telluride Film Festival, also screening at TIFF. Uh, 20th Century Fox is the production company, and its listed budget is 97 $0.6 million. This film released this past weekend on November 15th. Critical scores are pretty high. 91% on 154 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes last I looked. 76 Metascore, 7.9 IMDb. Again, last I looked, this was a couple days ago. And then throughout the episode, we're going to talk about uh, box office projections. Our, our racing's going fairly well here, Mike. Let's see if we can keep it up yeah and go see this movie if you want big money original programs to come out in your movie theater still regardless and of how you feel about it enter the rant from mike one about <laughs> seeing original properties the racing the only way to beat disney is to feed disney money the they figured it out the racing stopped folks. i slammed on the brakes we, so we, we went get into it? a pit and we can't <laughs> figure out the tire to put on there <laughs> the plot promise for this one american car designer carol shelby and driver ken miles battle corporate interference the laws of physics and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for ford and challenge ferrari at the 24 hour of le mans in 1966 Okay, so we got through it. That's the, your quickest production profile ever from us. We've yes. taken a, a while on those in the past. 
I, I, I'm rushing through it because we want to get our guest on here. This sure. is Colby Mack from ColbyToldMe.com, spelled K-O-L-B-Y. Seek him out everywhere he is on the internet, and he is everywhere. He is a co-host on the Minorities Report film podcast. He is a co-host of the upcoming Stream Team podcast that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode. And he's also, of course, the host of the Colby Told Me podcast. This guy's been a great friend to to our show since the beginning. Yeah, and one of the most genuinely decent and humble people that you will find on film Twitter. Uh, we, we think the world of him. He, he's also a frequent contributor and winner of the Six Degrees of MMO Challenges yes. there on Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. So, I, I mean, I'm just really proud to finally get the chance to talk to him. He's a, he's a great film critic and, and just a great guy. Uh, we're very proud to introduce as our guest host today of this OSP, Kobe Mack. All right, Colby Mack on the line right now to review Ford versus Ferrari with us here. Colby, say hi to the nice people. Yo, 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 what up, world? <laughs> How we living? Uh, big fan of Colby's. Gave him that long, luscious introduction. Yes. It's well-deserved. Uh, big. Uh, we are huge fans of Colby's as well. Now, Colby, you were, speaking of fandom, you loved Ford versus Ferrari, but what were your expectations going into this movie? What did you expect to see when you sat down in the theater? I had no idea what this movie's about. Um, I thought Ford v. Ferrari was going to be something very, very different. Um, and then I found that it was a racing movie, and I'm like, oh, well, that's not typically my cup of tea. But it's James Mangold. It's Matt Damon. It's Christian Bale. Like, what could possibly go wrong? Saw the first trailer. I, I tell you this. Kevin Brackett has been really impressed upon me about the whole, like, not watching trailers thing. Because I used to just watch them, like, a lot and try to catch every one. I'll catch the first trailer and then just really tune out anything else after that. Um, so after watching that first trailer, I'm like, oh, this looks like fun. I just hope that there's more there. And um, yeah, this was absolute fun. I think I share your sentiments. I was kind of excited for it, too. Mike, what were your thoughts going into this? So I read Colby's review, and I expected, like, an awesome dad movie here because... You've said that, yeah. <laughs> you know, Colby was all about that. Like, it's a fun race car movie, and we got some Oscar-worthy elements, which is great. And I do think that's what I got, you know, to tease my review. But uh, I, I wonder if, Colby, can, can you, you know, self-examine yourself as a dad? Does this movie pr particularly... You know, I, I have to say it now because I built up to it. Rev your engine. It got into my brain and then I was going for it and I got my hosting voice on. I'm such a jerk. Sorry. But did it rev your engine? I'll just uh, I'll, I'll double down. It most certainly did. And I got to tell I got to be honest with you. It is hard to not speak cliches talking about this film. Like it is just very easy to be like fasten your seatbelts. You're in for a high-octane <laughs> ride. Like, <laughs> I was going to do like a mock review and just kind of pack them all in to see if yeah. people can tolerate it. Um, we would love this, that. I, you know what? I think I may do it. Um, <laughs> I got to get my name on one of these movie posters some way, somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're speaking enough cliches, eventually they'll come around to you. I have no doubt. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with both you guys. I was excited to see this. Maybe we should start doing, or at least I should start doing, the Colby Mac route because uh, you're going to be able to tell if you're listening to this now. Two of us are very high in this movie. One of us, not so much with the highness on this movie. Uh, maybe I was overhyped, but I was hyped up to see it. But if you faked highness on this movie, mm. 
you would have been great at the dad jokes because your dad jokes have been spectacularly, I, awesomely terrible. I've been the last two unbelievably weeks. mediocre with the dad jokes lately, which is just the sweet spot for all that things dad jokes. The, yeah, it's right. where you exactly where you want to be. <laughs> Let's talk about the production values right now. I guess we'll go. Uh, we should probably go sound to sight first, right? Okay. I mean, sound is kind of at least for me where I thought this movie's bread was buttered most, if we're going to talk about metaphors and analogies. Colby, what did you think about the sound of this movie as far as mixing, editing, all that fun stuff? Yeah, though, the sound was impeccable. Um, you know, I usually am a proponent of hashtag Colby does Dolby. Um, <laughs> I did not get a chance to see this in Dolby. Um, I was uh, I was uh, benefit beneficial enough to be uh, tagging along with somebody who had access to a press screening, so I saw it early. Um, nice. But just even seeing it in the regular, you know, uh, 2D sound, like it made me want to watch it in Dolby that much more. Yeah. Um, it like it, it just it feels so good. It's the loudest that I've heard a race car movie in a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, and I could tell that they were paying really close attention on making you feel this connection to car. Because I'm not a car guy. Like, I didn't grow up around. I grew up in New York, like in Yonkers, New York, outside the city. Like, the only cars that I saw were like taxis. So they don't, they don't sound <laughs> special. And they definitely don't look like race cars. So um, this this was like a, such an attractively built, you know, sound design throughout the entire film. And then the score and the soundtrack is just it just feels really good and I, we've had so many films this year alone where it's like you know that 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 rewind back to those you know the the music of old like from once upon a time in hollywood and films like that and like you just you just you feel good about it yeah, I, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, both with the mixing and the sound effects and also with the soundtrack there. And I'm, I share your sentiments again. I saw this in my little local podunk theater, which is like nothing special, whether visually or audibly. And I thought the sound was incredible. So, Mike, I don't know if you saw it in any kind of special screening or can you I saw it, it in IMAX. Oh, did you? It was kind of a Limax. Okay. And I, I do want to say right off the bat, Colby, if you make a like, uh, you know, headphones uh, case or something with Colby does Dolby. Oh, oh, yeah. I would totally buy yeah, that. Yeah, you got to get into the audio game, by the way. You have it all made. you got to figure it out already. Yeah. I had a really good week. Real quick, a little sidebar. So um, I watched last Christmas, had Paul Feig retweet me. And yeah, then I did my hashtag, Colby does Dolby, and had Dolby Cinema uh, at me. So that was pretty nice. dope. So you're, I mean, you are basically a step away from literally being on a movie poster as this. <laughs> you're right there. It's I'm like yeah. working. <laughs> Two affirmations in one weekend, and now this is three, me saying that I would buy your merch. All the equal levels. Tagline. All equal levels. Dolby right. Cinema, Paul Fig, also Mike. But yeah, I saw it in Limax at AMC, and you're right. I mean, the sounds are just so isolated. They're pristine. I mean, I, again, I'm also not a car guy. I can barely, you yeah, know, three of us. get yeah. A to B. And I, just, I had to put air in my tires today, and it was an adventure. I had to, I, like, I had to put, like, $3 into that stupid uh, machine. But did you feel like you were, part, like, revved up and ready to go with it? I like, did. this is my and, moment. And, dude, when we were, like, driving out of the, uh, the theater, I was tempted to go fast. That's how, hyped, <laughs> that's how hyped this movie got me. And I, I've never been more afraid than when I left the theater for Fast and Furious 8 or whatever it was, right, 7. Right, sure. So I, I then I kind of stopped myself. I was like, I got I got to go easy because all these teenagers <laughs> at nine o'clock at night. Because I saw the you know sweet spot for teenagers screening Naturally. at seven. Of course, they're all going to be driving like idiots, which is my nightmare. Right, just being in a parking lot full of teenagers driving too fast. But the fact that the production values were so good almost got me into an accident on the way way home. And that's a testament to the James Right, Bay I think that's kind of what they want to hear from that, right? right? Especially when you're putting so much effort into the sound of this. Uh, we, I, I, I 
totally agree. For any kind of shortcomings I have with the film, I think this has to be nominated in the sound categories. I know we're going to talk more about an Oscar lens as we go on here, but yep. this has to show up on Oscar Sunday for probably both sound categories, if I had it my way. I agree. Um, just go, moving on here, I guess we'll go from how we heard the movie to what we saw in the movie. Colby, any highlights for you with what you saw on screen? Anything that you wanted to make mention of? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the more and more that I think about it, a lot of it was even. As high as I am on the film, I don't know if there's anything that's like truly exceptional. It's like, whoa, my goodness gracious. Except maybe like there's one scene. Um, like we kind of talked about, this movie transports me back to like growing up as a kid and playing with like, you know, my Matchbox cars. Sure. And <laughs> seeing, you know, uh, what Henry Ford the second. What's his, what's his nickname? It was a really cool, oh, the deuce. The deuce. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> seeing the deuce. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. So I'm, I live right next to the Porsche, uh, you know, center, mm -hmm. right? So every time, sure. like, you know, I'm driving back up, like, I'm like, man, I'd love to just do like a test drive. Like how fast does this go? And seeing this regular old, dude in a suit get inside of this i don't even what, what i guess the show i'm always thinking like shelby like the mustang i don't know what kind yep. of car it was but um i it, that scene is like so fun it's, it is it is and, and, and i think i think that perfectly exudes with this movie this movie is just so much fun so like to me the standout was editing and, and that really gave a lot of space for the fun moments especially the character moments and I think that's what James Mangold is best at because he's done these you know character driven dramas with Walk the Line he's done them uh, even even like 310 to Yuma you know you got you got the shoot 'em up factor there but it's mostly a character study throughout because it's a simple plot line you, you got to get to the 310 to Yuma and they got to just get there and that's the plot right so basically here you know this is the Boston Marathon of car races, and that's something that I think they really had to balance out. Like, we tend to think, you know, like a race like this is a drag race or mm. even a NASCAR, which is like a four-hour thing. Right. But this was a 24-hour race. So I was actually surprised by the pacing of this film. And the editing, like you said, Colby, is very even. It's very smooth. It's very mm -hmm. polished. you got time for the characters to do their things. And at, at times, I'm like begging them to use a couple of tracks on my playlists, you know, especially like my, my hip you, you wanted rock. the Baby Driver well, the soundtrack. I wanted the Baby yeah. Driver soundtrack. You know, basically, yeah, that's my Spotify. You right. know me very well right. at this point. So I was like, oh, if they played this song here, I'd be, I'd been hyped. It would have gotten me hyped. But they, they kept it fairly even, and it, and it does work, I think, with the true story of it all. I know you wanted a little, maybe more of a, you know, a big finish finale kind of deal. Yeah, uh, I mean, to there. any shortcomings I have are pretty much script based. All the technicals I thought were really polished. I'm, I'm just echoing what both of you have already said. Whether it's, I mean, it was very fun. It was a very sleek looking movie. The editing I thought was fantastic. I thought the cinematography was great too, which is really. What you want to highlight, like the sound and the cinematography, if you're going to have a racing movie that's at all watchable, yeah. I think you got to nail both of those. So uh, Some uh, great shots in this movie. I'd like oh, to study it more for cinematography. Those inside the car shots are just great. Just seeing yeah. Christian Bale's face and like just where the camera's placed, it's really smart in, in, in just kind of capturing like where he is. Like the, He's in this tight, confined space for a very long time, and you really do feel it with the way that the camera's placed. Um, and I just love all those picturesque outdoor shots. Like They were just really, really great. Everything that was inside of that transformed, Formed airplane hangar that also doubled as a garage. It was nice. 
you're taking the words right out of my mouth, Kobe. I, I couldn't agree more. And I want to just give a shout out. Yeah. Uh, the man's name Feedin Papa Michael. I think that's how you pronounce it. But he was the one in charge of cinematography here. Papa Michael. Yeah, I would be surprised. Papa to P A P A I want to be known as Papa Michael. Well, you can shift that. I guess that means slash. Have to have kids. Although, if Kobe's going to be the third Mike here, he could be Papa Michael. You can just give him that name. Guys, they really went full POV, like driving video game with this uh, at times, which I thought was just, I mean, it blew me away. Like whenever, uh, the, the opening of the film, we'll talk about it in best scenes, and then throughout the uh, Le Mans race, that POV where all you could see is the windshield and everything out of it, just the coolest, uh, some of the coolest shots of the film. Yeah, video game is, is kind of a cool way of putting it. If you ever played some of those NASCAR ones growing up, that was the exact kind of shot that this shared that this movie had so uh, I think we're all on the same page as far as the sound and sight aspects of this movie go let's dive deeper into some of the performances here Mike we'll start with you uh, any kind of highlights any kind of one performance you want to stick out or sticks out to you in particular I must uh Check the record here. I believe this is true, first and foremost. I think this is the second time Matt Damon has played a man named Carol. Is that true? <laughs> Referencing oh, wow. the 30 Rock character that he played. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Because there's a strange guy named, and he's twice in his career. He Maybe it spoke to him. That's why he took the job in the first place. I think it did. Yeah, it's I an inside joke for him. Uh, Bale is a chameleon. He's an absolute chameleon. And guys, uh, why wouldn't he take two fat guy roles in a row? Like, what is this man doing to his heart, to his body? He went from 240 to playing Dick Cheney, and he's back down to this wiry, skinny guy, uh, which he wow. said in all the Q&As was, like, important to this character, that I guess he made important to this character, because I actually saw pictures of the guy, and he wasn't that wiry or that skinny. So it's just like <laughs> Bale with a complex kind of thing, and he totally has a different posture in this movie than previous films. Like, he's got, like, this hunched back, the shoulders yeah. are rolled forward. It's so strange. That guy's a chameleon. He's a really fascinating performer. Um, it's, it's weird because Gary Oldman's still working, but, like, Christian Bale, when I was first introduced to him, I think was with American Psycho. And then seeing him in, like, um, you know, some other action flicks and stuff like that. I'm like, this guy. But then, like, he really has started to really transform himself, like, ever since, what is El, El, El Machinista. Um, and I think at that, that time, that was, like, crazy, like, controversial, the the mm -hmm. dramatic weight loss. And then he's been known for, like, really going up and down with his weight. I mean, when he did The Prestige and then balancing it out with Batman Begins, like, this guy, he's like a he's like Gary Oldman 2.0, in my opinion. Because mm. Gary Oldman's a, a, a real just chameleon as well. And this person, like, the, it's it's weird. I don't know how much acclaim he's going to get for this performance because of what's said around it. But if you really pay attention, just focus on, like, how the way he holds his mouth, what he's doing with his eyes. And, you know, and, and even it's a different accent than what's his, like, you, you think it's like, oh, he's just, you know, kind of resting on his British accent. No, no, mm. this is something that's really different as well. It's a little bit more cockneyed in a sense. Um, I just... I, I will say that the trailer shows a lot of the, what was in the film. And I will never forget that one scene where they're like stretching the Ferrari cars or come across when they're at Le Mans. It's like, if this was a beauty pageant, we'd lost. <laughs> and I'm like, it, it, it sounds like, um, what's the dude from Lifestyles of Richard Fame? What was that? Robin um, Leach. Yeah. Robin Leach. It sounded like that. And I'm like, that is so different. And it's those little things that really matter and make his portrayal of Ken Miles like so unique and in my opinion is the standout of the film. So I had a theory about this. I'm wondering if he's channeling his experiences on that Terminator McG set 
and he's taking all that like ornery Ooh. Britishness, Ooh. method acting Britishness, where he's like just really acted. Snide. He's going at people the whole movie. And so I, like him throwing the wrench at Matt Damon wasn't in the script at all. It was just a natural reaction. To <laughs> he's fail. thinking of that dude talking in the background when McGee's trying to you know you know frame the next shot, and he's like, "We're doing something here." But I, I would say like more. Like maybe Simon Cowell than Robin Leach because they kind of talk a lot alike, right? No, you're just being racist against British people. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think I think it's safe to say that Bale is probably the performance that most people are like going to highlight and remember from this. Kobe, do you have anything to say about Matt Damon though? Because I personally, I'm a little offended at how overlooked Damon is being mm-hmm. for his performance. I thought he was kind of great. You know, I think when we describe performances, we're looking for a range of emotionality that because of the way that he was written, there wasn't a lot there. Agreed. I think one of the, clo- the closest moments that you get are in the beginning and the ends of the film. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really intense scene where Carol Shelby gets some unfortunate news and not much is done with it after that. And I wonder if that was something that was a constant, if it was an obstacle for his character to overcome throughout the film and even really get in the way at the end towards getting his ultimate goal, if that would have been a platform for him to be able to like really, you know, just flex that, you know, that that emotional well of acting. And because he didn't have many of those moments until one of the last scenes of the film, um, it's it's kind of hard. So he does get outshined, but it's not like he's not doing well. He's doing a really good job. His his accent um, and his vocal you know performance is really strong. And he's just like he's. I, I'm I'm making a lot of comparisons between what I see in this pairing between what I saw between uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time, and they're very different because of the things that are said around them. But just like how. You know, Leo was, I don't want to say acting circles around Brad. It's just, it's written more for Leo to do more. The same thing with, you know, Bale as Ken. And and I'll tell you too, I mean, you're you're talking about the reservation that Damon kind of played the emotional scenes with. To me, I thought that was kind of a choice. And I kind of likened it to what Ryan Gosling had to do for First Man. Mm -hmm. How he was choosing Mm -hmm. to play reserved and couldn't be emotional because he has to put on this stoic face. I mean, they're different stakes, obviously. But still, Shelby had to kind of be a straight man all throughout. Even though, And he's internalizing all this conflict that Ford is trying to basically screw Ken Miles with. And Shelby has to keep that to himself. So I thought those were kind of choices. I thought it was kind of acting more with, this may be a cop out for a critic to say, but I truly thought he was acting more maybe with what he was wearing on his face and his eyes rather than being fully emotional, because I agree with you. The Mm -hmm. script certainly uh, lended itself more towards Christian Bale's character than did Matt Damon's. And I was uh, debating, like, all weekend... Who's the better performer here? Who should they push be pushing more for like best actor because they're both in that category? And I don't know. Every time I focus on Bale, I get you know I'm high on Bale. Sure. And I'm like, all right, Bale's in my top ten. And is, is am I gonna watch this more and, and try to push him up? I know how competitive it is, and I wish like that maybe they can bump somebody down to supporting. And then I think about. Damon's Oscar reel scenes because Colby's absolutely right beginning and the end of this movie he has showcase scenes yeah and especially at the end so like Damon has uh those moments that you could put in that Oscar reel that people are going to remember especially you know at the end of the movie you walk out of the movie thinking of Matt Damon having his most emotional scene so I uh I, I wonder and I keep going back and forth and I've seen a lot of pundits with them you know closely ranked I, I wish more people would get onto it but I don't know. I don't know if they're going to have the momentum at the end of the day. Yeah, I said this to Mike after I saw the movie, Colby. I was like, I think it's just turned into a cheat code. 
to have Matt Damon in your film. Because as much as I didn't, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not crazy about this movie, but like, I love what Matt Damon did so much. Just And he wasn't really, like you said, he wasn't flexing his emotional muscles. I just like Matt Damon on my screen. And I think it like raises any kind of movie's points when you just cast Matt Damon. Absolutely, I, I I like I like in this performance very closely what he did in Ridley Scott's um, uh, film. What two years ago now? In um, oh god, what the, I'm forgetting the name of it. I know it was Ridley Scott. <laughs> the Martian. Yeah, The Martian. Yeah, The Martian. There we go. Do Do you feel that? I I totally do. I, I mean, obviously he's like the one man show in that yeah. one. Here he's like almost a point guard, and he's like a pass first point guard for most of the movie because he's, oh, love he's setting up his analogy. teammates. So <laughs> yes. and then, but like. Then he's Steph Curry at the end. He's like that kind of point guard where he's he's doing crazy things. He's got to so. finish. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think he's that's probably good... Damian Lillard. I don't know what the. Well, this is a dangerous road to go down. <laughs> the three of us are just going to talk sports after this. <laughs> yeah. Longest non-spoiler section ever. How about the ensemble guys? What do we think? I mean, Tracy Letts is the standout. I would guess the Deuce there, Henry Ford the second. I would give my life for what Tracy Letts did in this movie. Yes, absolutely. I loved everything about him. I, I'm a little worried that he's not getting any kind of, I don't expect him to enter any kind of conversation, but it would be nice if he had some moment. On likability, though, Tracy Letts probably gets it. Because he's got those great seeds. We're going to talk about him. Uh, Josh Lucas, uh, Bernthal, Letts. What do you think, Colby? I mean, Bernthal... This guy can do anything with less than 15 minutes of screen time. I think if there was a award for, like, you know, who does the most with less than 15 minutes of screen time in a film, it's got to go to John Bernthal. Um, yeah. it, it's just, uh, how do you pronounce his, his character's last name? Is it Iokoka? Iokoka, right? He's mm. a real guy. Yeah. It just, I mean, there are scenes where you just, you can't take your eyes off of him. Um, and he's just so good. And somehow he looks younger in this film than he's looked in like other films past. Like, it's really weird. Um, but like, I, I liked his open popped car. He's just a cool guy. It's a guy I want to like get a beer with. Um, Noah Jupe was really sweet in this film. Um, mm -hmm. For some reason, there's his stature. He's, he's a tall, he looks like a big kid. And I was wondering if like, I wonder if that character should have been younger. Like, should have been, like, six or seven. Hmm. And I think that he was, like, 11 or 12. Mm. You know? But he still did some, like, really interesting things. He was so much better than he was in A Quiet Place. So I was happy with him. <laughs> and I know you, you had some issues. Yeah, I, was, here, I like... wasn't crazy about that. I just didn't like the way this, again, the script treated him at the end okay. there when he was asking questions. So the big question I think we're going to differ the most here is with Catriona Balfe from Outlander there. So her role in this white guy movie is something different. And especially in a white guy movie where these characters served in World War II with one another. So, like, there's all this depth for, for you know the, the the writing of those scenes and then you have this woman with this tremendous almost idyllic relationship with bale a little and, too idyllic and that's yeah, that's my that's, question yeah. is it too is she the fantasy yeah go wife? on on that colby tell, tell, tell us what you mean i mean i gotta say you know when you when you when you're first introduced to her it almost is like a dream state. It's like, I don't know if this is real or not. I'm not too sure what, what the relationship is being and set up. And you're the married one here. Mike and I are the unmarried <laughs> yeah. ones. I was trying to set myself up for getting in, <laughs> not getting in trouble, and now you're getting in trouble. Oh, Isn't man. she a fantasy wife? Oh, she absolutely <laughs> is. I mean, she is on board, and and I, and I feel like maybe the, the, the writers like kind of cornered themselves. Like, we have to like 
give her something. And then there's there's a choice that she makes um, at the end of the first act that I just did not buy because I, I feel like that it. she was too yeah. perfect. And that like that's that's what keeps me from like giving the, like this an ultimate you know best score. It's like some of those and like I think you're right, you know, Mike. Uh, it, it's some things with the script, but yeah, I mean, you could look at the writers of this film and realize that yeah, she is perfect. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I. I... Again, you're taking the words out of my mouth. I, there was some decisions they made, they wrote for her character. I feel like the conflict they had her do in the middle of, I think it was Act 2, was very forced. It made no sense after yeah. the Constitution they gave her at the end of Act 1, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, and it's, it's, I think you're exactly right. They made her too perfect to start with. So where do you go? You have to have some kind of driving conflict for Miles to face from his home life. And they just, they kind of wrote that away immediately when they had her saying, oh no, keep following your dream. <laughs> Let's move right along. The three of us have kind of hinted that maybe the script was lacking in some areas, which makes me feel a little better about giving this one a D-minus score. No, no I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but, Kobe, you have said that you have some issues, you, you have some highs and lows with the scripts. Overall, what did you think of the composition of what the actors were given to work with here? I gotta be honest with you, the store doesn't give me like a lot of personal connections, um, so I'm really gonna be dependent upon the performances of the actors, and then ultimately uh, some of the internal conflicts uh, and, and personal growth to really win me over um, because I I mean I, I didn't grow up with any of this stuff yeah so I don't have a lot of deeply personal connections to the story because it's something that I didn't know existed and if, if you guys don't know I'm a black guy um, there's also there's no black folks in this film so it was really hard to try to connect to anybody outside of Matt Damon and uh, and, 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 and Christian Bale and the thing is, is that really really worked but I will tell you this, there was enough thrilling moments of action in this film throughout the screenplay that completely like glues everything together. So if something was going to fall to the crack with me in regards to the story, it was elevated by a lot more comedy than I really imagined this film was going to have, um, along with some really like fun and like exhilarating action. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is a polished sports fleece, as they call it, in like Save the Cat or uh, in the, the screenwriting books out there. I, I liked how I lived this plot over the weekend, guys. <laughs> in the last two days, I've been coaching a high school football team for 10 years now, and I, I'll talk about it in spoilers, how I'd lived this plot a little bit uh, between the last two games that I coached in the last 12 hours. So I am speaking... You know, my greatest truth here when I say I believe in this genre, I believe in sports movies, and it, it really it really resonates with me mm. uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, I do think they show too much in the trailers, and a lot of the whammy Ooh, moments... That's something lot, Colby alluded to as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the best moments. Like, Colby, you said you just watched like the first trailer and you ignored the rest. Like, I wish I did that, because all those other trailers that we loved and we reviewed, mm-hmm. that we kept watching... Yeah. Dude, I mean, we saw so much of the big, you know, tell-off scenes and all that in those trailers. And they were great trailers. We gushed over them. But then the movie, you know, obviously has more. But at the same time, like, all the big moments, like, I've seen it already. Yeah, uh, I have a lot to say about the script. (laughs) I'm going to reserve it for the spoiler section because a lot of my complaints have to do with stuff that I don't want to give away right now. And my argument with you is going to be that I lived it. Like, uh, the only hours. the only thing I will say now is, as far as it ties more into expectations than anything, but did either of you guys think we were going to get more of Le Mans than we got? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> the way it was set up, I thought that, that that was the, I feel like the film was leading up to that. I had yeah. no idea that, oh, it's, oh, it's not here yet. Oh, 
we have a whole other part. And I think that's right. why the film was longer. I, 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 yeah, I did not. Because the one thing that you'll remember from the trailer is that you have how long? Like 300 years? 90 days. Right. I thought the film was taking place over 90 days. And when I find out that we get something different, it just like, oh, I had to adjust really, really quickly to what this film was. I'm so yeah. I, I, talking this through has made me reaffirm that I'm <laughs> I'm not crazy with what I saw. So this is you got. I'm happy you both liked it as much as you did, but I'm not psychotic. So <laughs> I guess let's finish up non spoilers here with an Oscar lines. And I, I wrote down uh, Scott Feinberg's and Clayton Davis at award circuits. Uh, I wrote down their rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm basically going to summarize them quickly. Picture director. Actors for both characters, supporting actor for Let's, original screenplay, and maybe production design. Those are all in, like, their teens, right? Mm -hmm. You know, 14, 15. Where this movie seems to be a front runner is those, you know, are those production values we talked about. Sound mixing, sound editing, cinematography. It's either, you know, in some, it's in Feinberg's top 10 and it's in Clayton's top six. And then editing, you know, it's it's Clayton's number three. So do we think this is going to be looked at at the end of the day as only a technical achievement, or do you think it might have a chance somewhere else? I've got a very bold statement for you guys. All right, give it to me. <laughs> this is a very pretty dark horse for Best Picture. Ooh, the reason I why I that. say this, and I listen and I read a lot of stuff, um, some of the favorites are... I don't want to say that they're not niche, but they are very specific to folks' tastes. This, regardless of the laments, is one of the most universally just feel-good movies of the entire year. And I feel that with this widened audience of voters, that this is like, you know what? This film just felt good going in. It felt good coming out, even though I may have some qualms here. And it's not that it does anything expertly, like, super fantastic, but it feels so good. And it's like just like it's kind of like the Green Book. Oh, man, it's yeah, it, it sucks. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it, I feel like it is. This is a very safe play because I, I I've heard you guys laments on Joker, and I feel like Parasite has a lot to kind of overcome to really mm-hmm. like. Are you going to transcend going from international picture to best picture? Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood has some controversial elements yep. to it. There's I feel like this checks off enough boxes. That with that preferential ballot, this could be it. So I'm looking at the the landscape all week, right? Mike and I were both kind of doing Oscar research all week. And you might be right in the sense that I think there's old, an old person movie every year, yep. right? That old mm-hmm. standby academy uh, membership. Yep. They're, if they mobilize to vote for one picture, they're strong enough to still pick the winner. And we've seen it with Green Book, and we've seen it with Shape of Water. And Shape of Water is basically old people trying to be cool and stay relevant, yeah. in my opinion. And last year, it's they're being belligerent that Green Book should win because it's the best picture you know, feel of every other best picture. Mm. This year, we have The Irishman, which is a movie about old age. Now, Scorsese's totally you know, off the wall. He's edgy, so he's not... You know, young people might vote for him, too, once upon a time in Hollywood, Tarantino's never been the, you know, the bell of the ball. Yeah, right. that's true for them. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is there like Joker's not an old person movie? That's got to be a new Academy uh, selection. 
I'm wondering if Jojo Rabbit might be the old Academy selection as well. And if because if they split the vote, then who knows who will win? Well, Probably yeah. one of the bigger names. I'll go even further along with what Colby was saying in that because there's not a picture. I mean, we talk about the Oscars puzzle theory all the time. How this has to win that, and if that wins that, it right. wins this. Because there's not a picture that's head and shoulders above the field right now. If this one is on people's cards and they're like, well, I guess I'm going to put this down for sound mixing. Mm-hmm. And I guess there wasn't really a sound editing one that was better than this. And I guess I'll put it first for cinematography as well. You're going to get some voters that are like, wait, I have this movie at three or four number one spots on the undercard. No other movie this year has that. Why wouldn't I put this one or two for best picture for me? It's in the mix at yeah. least, right? And yeah. then maybe the Hollywood Foreign Press, a bunch of you know old guys for the most part, yeah. probably might vote for it and then if it comes out of you know the golden globes with with one of those gets globes, a little more momentum yeah. i mean i'm waiting for that surprise right i'm waiting for that bow rap surprise we just had it with jojo rabbit at tiff i think we're in in store for another surprise is this going to be the movie to do it i don't think so but colby i like where your money's at here yeah as, and i and i personally a, hate it and yeah. if you don't vote for tarantino's <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood you're all dead to me so that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna end this here that's gonna be pretty much it for the spoiler non-spoiler section i should say we'll wrap it up here we'll each talk about whether it's a watch or a don't watch for us personally let's start with you mike watch or not watch but please drive home safely <laughs> Colby, go ahead. Watch, take your whole family. Oh, there you go. And uh, I'll be the I'll be the one in the minority here. I think you can live without having to okay. see this one unless you're an Oscars junkie and you want to be filled in on all the categories. And like you said, I think we all, the three of us, kind of made a good case on Colby's word here. This could be a dark horse for some big categories. Uh, we'll see. I guess let's break it down and dance. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. section of the Oscar Sprint profile of the movie Ford versus Ferrari brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar with our special guest Colby Mack on the line. If you have not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on this review. Go check it out for yourself. Come back. We'll be waiting for you when you hit play on this episode. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear the thoughts the three of us have, or if we've just hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing our thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari. This is where you want to be. All spoilers all the time from here on out. The Ford versus Ferrari Oscar Sprint profile Brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, with Colby Mack on the line as well. Michael. So, you're about to give your opening rant here, and you made me just talk in the middle of you talking. I needed to, to inhale. reset you back yeah. up, to inhale. But, Colby, we can go to the bathroom right now and just come back in like 10 minutes. But uh, go ahead, Mike. You have an opening rant. That is pretty crazy. I half expect Colby to have just put the phone down at this point and just walk back in about 15 I'm trying to undercut you here, though. Please realize, because I think it is crazy, literally, because this is a true story, though. Okay. And you don't like this true story. I'm I'm thrilled that it's a true story. (laughs) I couldn't be happier. Listen, a lot of my lowlights are in this script, and I alluded to this a lot. I feel like a lot of this movie 
was boring. And I think that's a great sin for a racing movie to have. But I was literally texting people at certain points just to stay awake at parts. And I can't tell you the number of times I actually checked the time on my phone to see if it was almost over. Colby, this podcast was going so well, dude. Listen, the entire Ken Miles firing and rehiring and Shelby insisting that he's the right guy to Ford, that whole part of this was completely unnecessary to all the script. It was about 40 minutes of unnecessary film. There's nothing accomplished in that side story that wouldn't have been satisfactory relayed with other scenes that were included anyway. We already knew that Miles was tight with his son, and we knew that being a father and a role model and a mentor was important to him. We already knew that Josh Lucas's Leo Beebe character, who, by the way, is just the generic bad guy from every 80s teen movie anyway. He's the worst of that group. Oh my god, is he one note. We already knew he didn't like Ken Miles, right? We already knew that that Shelby had a feeling that only Miles could make this work and only Miles could win Lamaze. There's nothing accomplished in these scenes that wasn't already addressed pretty much in that one scene where Ford is threatening to fire Shelby in his office anyway. And there's other aspects about the Ken Miles, Ford, Leo BB relationship I thought made no sense. You're going to fire this guy even though you know you have other drivers you want, but you're totally okay with Ken Miles being the lone driver that's troubleshooting this car the entire time? If you're going to let him drive the car at all, why are you going to fire him afterwards? What if he sabotages it? What if he's just like, oh, I'm out? Okay, brake line cut, see you later. That was Carol's biggest argument. I, I think... The the fun of this movie is the research afterwards. We have a race that is won basically on the building of the car. And it, it's based on the training. Like, Lance Armstrong wins the Tour de France because he's doping and he's training heavily. I, you know, I win a football game because we, we repped them all week, right? This race is won because Ken Miles is essentially the engineer of this car. And that's what, you know, Matt Damon is trying to prove to all of the suits. So it's like unique corporate sabotage as the antagonist of this film. The antagonist of the film isn't a, you know, performance piece. It isn't a mano a mano battle no. with Ferrari. The antagonist of the film is the deuce. I agree. And there's no trouble in updating the car and getting it fit to standards. It's just like, oh, we need this. Okay, the car's fixed now. Kind of we have the beast motor the beast engine blows, in this. You know, blows up, though. It blows up. He should blow up every fucking time he takes the track. What do you mean? It blows up once as a prelude to the most glossed over death of any main character in cinematic history. Oh, Ken Mile, he's, he's dead. He's dead, man, now. He's dead. He's dead. Credits. Yeah, you, you, I will say that, that the ending was tough. Um, the film had three different endings, and I wish it would have just stuck to one. Yes, um, me too, Colby. Yeah, but it, it's it, a true story, guys! Well, I, I'll tell you that, but I, I also, I am completely okay with the Hollywood polish of some films in, yeah. not necessarily embellishing, but leaving out. I would have much rather had a fade to black and just text on screen, which we ended up yes for a number of characters. Yes, um, Colby! Preach! But I, I feel like that something happened between Matt Damon and James Mangold, and I don't know who, I think Mangold wrote the script too, where they said, no, nah, I think I think Matt needs one more scene. It's it's it, 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 it doesn't fit it was, his character. It was a lot of extra. And I, I will tell you this: you're right, also, Mike. The lack of an a true antagonist. Because if we wanted to make the Leo, Leo BB guy, yeah, he should have been more. I I thought that when we got the four B Ferrari in the first trailer, when they said we could do more than push paper, I thought there was gonna be some nefarious things going on between both sides, between Ferrari and Ford. So did of I. Them trying to like you know you know really foul up these these machines. 
but they just stayed completely on opposite ends and they did it in a very in a very ethical way of going about this race except for like trying to buy ferrari in the beginning um i would have i would have wondered and maybe this would have helped you out mike what if there was like a drinking problem? This is very cliche. What if what if Ken had a drinking problem or he was, you know, a, a, a wife abuser or something like that? If there oh, was God. more conflict for him, would that would have would that would have helped you? Well, that goes back to what we were talking about with the character of his wife, right? I mean, he had no, no really troubles to overcome at home because his wife was like, well, we have a kid. We have no money. But hey, it's OK. Go chase your dreams. I'll handle it. And then all of a sudden she wasn't like that. So I just think the issue of this movie is two guys trying to perfect they're being perfectionists about racing in a way. And they try to make a living out of that, right? And they're failing. Now we have corporate politics that is forcing this humongous entity to enter into the sports world. To enter in. And so they hire these, you know, top renegades. of their field. Yeah. but And they are renegades. They're the best that America has to offer. And they hire them. And they are drawn to them. In the, kind of the same way they're drawn to one another. They served in World War II together. And you have this group of suits. Like, all those guys in real life served overseas with one another during the biggest conflict of the, in history. And then that you have this, basically, war of attrition that is Le Mans. And you have this unfilmable sports story. Because this is like filming the Boston Marathon, guys. This is like going around and around and around or going in one direction you're not going to get a lot of lead changes you're not and they actually made this pretty cinematic dark. i absolutely agree cinematic and suspenseful i would say and but it has to yeah, yeah. And, but in my opinion it has to be as much about the building of the car as it is about the actual racing of the car and i'm going to have something to say about christian bale's death because i do think it's consequential of icarus you know continuing to push the ball up the hill that's it's con, it's a con, direct consequence of him of that big moment the three cars passing at once and him being have such having such sour grapes about that where he's going to keep going then take mm. the take 10 minutes of the 40 you gave to where he was fired for no reason and rehired anyway and put it towards building up his death scene. yeah but the whole point of that is that the corporate entity doesn't I understand accept that but i'm saying I, i'm saying it was just it didn't add anything i'm saying you you had you had what that what that storyline was trying to prove in other scenes already. Well, I just think it's a nice metaphor for the for you know the industry in a way, and for for sportsmen in general. Like if you have a corporate entity behind this, it doesn't jive, and that's the ultimate conflict. Like the person that is trying to be the innovator in any industry is ultimately going to get overruled, and therefore them fighting against the corporation and the competition, it's an impossible feat to overcome. And he pushed himself literally to death literally to death and that's why that's why it's so important to show him pushing himself to the point where it's blown up but he gets out of the car and then obviously he doesn't get out of the car and that's the true story of this man's life colby you said you had a problem with the death scene as well you would have rather have been a title card do you think they should i mean would it have benefited your watching and your enjoyment of it if they dedicated more time to it would you do you think there was no way to write themselves out of it how would you have handled the death scene differently i mean it's tough without me knowing like the the true story of this when i first watched it i'm just like hmm it was interesting it was to have, cause it, it felt it was so abrupt. Like we just came off of this yeah. this high, and I and I would have loved it if there was like now my rider mind is like spinning. Like if we had another scene, like you know where the dad is, you know the son is talking to the dad, like you know dad, you, you know I understand that you know you didn't win, but you know that you did, and I would have loved it to be written like yeah, but I just I need to go I need to go faster. Yeah, like, you know, man. Now now I, gotta I, need, win. Now I, I gotta I win. get that. Yeah, like now, I, <clears throat> but because we didn't get that from him, it just felt like wow that. 
just came out of nowhere. And then I honestly, not until like Matt Damon's actually talking to Noah Jupe's character, because I'm like, well, did he die? Because they don't say anything. And it's like several minutes does go by. And we now know that there's been this passage of time. But I'm like, oh, maybe he's just like paralyzed. Like I still had no idea up until like the time. I'm thinking that he's going to come out on the porch. And then we see his wife come out on the porch. I'm like, oh, okay. He really, really did die. Because I just had no idea um, until you like, you know, you know, I, he was, there was a line that the, um, the older guy, the not, because um, <laughs> of the mustache, I'm thinking of him from, uh, uh, from, uh, oh goodness, the Lady hmm. Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Oh, Sam oh, Elliott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that guy's name in this movie. film? The not Sam Elliott. Um, he was really, really good though. Like I, I like that old wise, like sage, like character. That just right, right, right. It's like, they don't know, they don't always get out, you know, and not until I heard that line, like, oh, man, he, he really is gone. But, yeah, I, I, as much as I love the movie, I would have liked that a little bit more. Um, that last scene, you really didn't need it with Matt Damon, right? I wholeheartedly agree. I don't understand the, what they thought they were accomplishing All right, with guys, it. guys, you ready to tell my sports story now? <laughs> no, look, I mean, I, I know I set it up, but I, I lived this, uh, this story this weekend, except I'm alive, so I guess I didn't. But I... <laughs> I've, you know, you, we've all seen sports stories. I don't want to spoil 10 sports movies by referencing which movie ended on a down note with the team losing the game or the tie at the end of the bout or whatever. We'll only talk about the intro to The Last Boy Scout. Right. But every movie doesn't end like The Mighty Ducks. It doesn't. And every sports movie in particular, most of them end with a loss. I mean, there's two outcomes you win or you lose, and I guess you can kiss your sister. In between, this was kind of like that. In, in this movie i'm just recognizing the truth of what i literally lived in the last you know 12 hours like we put our best effort in we lose we come off of it we're driven even more to, to the next day to game plan and to get into the next yeah. sporting event and but what's important at the end of the day and it, it literally happens what's important is my relationship with the kids is my relationship with the other coaches that's what's important and what was important for these guys was that friendship and it's such a peculiar friendship that and it has so much depth to it. Like mm-hmm. he's inferencing the World War II stuff. I thought we both, you know, figured the same thing out about the Germans or whatever that line was. You know, there's so much of that in here. And then you just got this, like I said, Icarus continuing to push the ball up the hill kind of metaphor. I, it worked for me, and I, I was wondering, guys, if we can come on this uh, compromise to close off this major plotline section. Because I'm probably not going to agree on the movie in terms of yeah, I mean, Colby. I'm very disappointed. I thought you were going to be on my side. For oh, this I was video. just going to say you're out. Me and Colby got this podcast. You and Colby and totally <laughs> teamed up on me. He totally teamed up on me to where I'm over talking. But here's the compromise. I wonder if we can all just agree that everything that happened in this movie led up to that last Matt Damon scene, and we all liked that last that Matt Damon scene, right? I mean, it was no. I hated that last. Oh, he's scene. crying at the last scene. I, I did not like it at all. At all. I thought I thought it was out of character for what they established with him. I, I did not like it. Was it I understand you had the, the, the emotional attachment to it, but I, I I don't I don't think the death was you couldn't include it. But he I drove just... away like Cliff Booth, Mike. <laughs> don't you love the, what I'm so shocked that oh, you So didn't all we like needed what, what were we missing? All we needed was Charlie Puth singing I'll see you again, right? That's so it's fast and furious. I, <laughs> I, I did not know. I, I I had a problem with all that that finale. I don't know. Colby, tell me if I'm wrong, but I I was not a fan of it. 
Colby is in between right now so hard, and he's so afraid to answer right now. Look at what we've done. We always said we can't do this to our totally guests. Totally sabotaging totally our guests. totally put our guests in between us. Who do you choose Look, right now, Colby? Colby? Mike one or also well, Mike? Colby, Mike, there's, you, no, there's no stakes. You just, you just will never talk to one of us again. <laughs> the next time he gets, it's only with one of us. <laughs> it, it, it's so tough when you, when you get an opportunity to kind of sit down and flesh some things out with everybody because – you start thinking about the film as a whole, and I was super duper high on this film. And the only the reason why it was not a perfect score for me is because a lot of the stuff that was done in the end. Yeah. Right. After you get the decision made that Ken, you know, like, and, and this is a gay, a great character moment from Ken decides that he is going to play, he's going to be a team player, right? Yes. Even if it's wrong, he's going to be a team player. All right, that's a win, right? And I would have loved for the film just to cut to black, like right after that, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't need much of any. I just really didn't need anything else. You know what I? But if we were gonna get anything else, you know what I wanted? I would have loved for that competition to be Ken versus Carol one last time, and then we get a race, and they both raced off into the distance and fade to black. Oh, that would have been awesome. Oh, you wanted yeah. the Rocky uh, three ending with ding Plus. ding. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with. I'm with. I, I, I echo you, Colby. I, I would have. I just thought the ending felt. There had to be some kind of studio decision where somebody was upset with something. Colby mentioned that earlier. It just felt very out of place for the rest of this movie. I'm, I'm glad, I, I, and sincerely, I'm glad it worked for you and you were able to relate to it even more so. I, it just didn't land for me. I had the drive away exactly like Matt Damon at the end of the movie <laughs> after the game this morning where, I, where we tied the team. And it was after the varsity oh. game the night before. So I'm living my truth here, guys. I'm a little sad that you ganged up on me. But let, we you are it. Matt Damon. I am Matt yeah. Damon here. I feel like Matt Damon. All right, so let's get in some best and worst because I think we had a lot of best. Yeah, Kobe, uh, let's start. I think we're all three of us seem to enjoy that intro, certainly, or at least Matt Damon kind of driving into the darkness. Uh, do you have anything to add about that? Was that something that you appreciated, or am I speaking out my ass here? Did you not like it? <laughs> How could you not think of Cliff Booth for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I mean, I, I, I now want somebody, internet, do your job, and like yeah. put the two scenes side by side, and let's just get it. I, I mean, it, it was <laughs> it was really, really great. And then I started to think, like, what was the dates of this? Okay, we are like at least a decade or so like spread apart from one another. Like, imagine you just drives by and both Cliff and him are at the stoplight together. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been really good. No, I mean, it was such a great opening to this film. So another scene I liked early on was like Ford trying to buy Ferrari, and that's coming off of Iacocca's sales pitch, you know, basically to, you know, we need to be a racing company now to the deuce. Every time we had like a corporate meeting room scenario there was like this major conflict and you're you're set up with a character that is so down like he's being threatened with getting fired mm-hmm. right and then in a very and he immediately redeems himself to the point where he changes the direction of the company and it, and it goes to these guys real life personas that they work together literally in life and death scenarios so they trust each other and they're willing to challenge one another but we have this scene in with Fiat, and I love the like the runner or the biker who runs to <laughs> yeah. Fiat. So I thought that was a really cool way to, to show all that uh, and all that behind-the-scenes politicking regarding that sale. Uh, how about you guys?
guys, you love any of those boardroom scenes? Yeah, they were great. I mean, seeing the deuce go up to the factory workers and just pretty much say that we, I'm, you know, we didn't build this business to be number two or anything like yeah. that. He, he shuts the entire assembly line down, and for some reason, I guess he was mic'd up that the entire factory could hear him. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was like really, really cool. We, you know, I mean, you know, you got to look at this guy. Like Tracy Letts, he's I've never like saw him as like this big domineering presence. Yeah, they made him feel so much bigger. He was like the kingpin. Mm. I, I again, I I think you're both hitting on something that's more of my frustration with this script. Every person to person, every interpersonal drama. I thought if you're not going to have the drama of this movie be about the race of Lamaz itself, I mean, they, they, there were some things that were dramatic about it. But we, like you said, it's a true story. We know how it's going to end. Then spend more time in these back rooms. Spend more time in the office of Ford. Spend more time on the plant floor where Ford's like threatening everybody in the companies. Like spend more time with Matt Damon talking to Christian Bale and double talk and not telling him the whole story. Well, you're talking about the fact that you like that amount. Of I love because they did spend I, a fair amount of time. And I wish there was more. Yeah, I wish it would have been more of that than we're firing Lee Pace and Lee or not Lee Pace. I'm sorry. We're firing. <laughs> we're firing uh, Christian Bale and Christian Bale's rehired and now we want to fire him again and now we're not going to fire him and oh my god he's going to win but we can't let it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. Give me I, more drama. I mean, and if you were going to do that, I got to be honest with you, because I'm a bit of an asshole. Like, Ken Miles was not that bad of a guy. He didn't seem that difficult where it's just like, oh, he can't be around this guy. But Colby, he threw a wrench. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he didn't throw it at the two no, I'm kidding, I'm guys. Kidding, yeah. he, like, it was weird. It, like, his him and his son touched the card, and you know, <laughs> Leo Beebe was like, oh. This guy's a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So how about suit number three? And this is going to be, this is probably my worst scene or line of the movie. Suit number three, whoever that guy was, like, after they watched the Christian Bale race, right, when he's, like, in the mm-hmm. undercard or wherever he was, they're like, he's difficult, but he's good. I was like, that is the worst line in the last fucking 15 movies I've seen. <laughs> it's like, we've been saving this line since 1996. <laughs> I'm going to say that about... I'm going to say that about Mike one. Every chance I get to every person. But he's fast. I will say overall, though, to kind of expand on that point, I was surprised that dialogue wasn't a bigger issue for me. I would have thought there was some kind of on the noses, especially with how much of this movie was person to person drama. I thought it flowed fairly well for Dude, what it was. Think about Wolverine, right? And where the Wolverine franchise was with Origins. Yeah. And how many screams they wrote into that script. Yeah. And then how good, good the dialogue was after. I mean, James Mangle, he's really good at this. And he always, you know, polishes up these scripts. Uh, and, and, all, and all the screenwriters, really. But he, he polishes up these scripts and it gets, it gets a lot out of these actors. Guys, I think we got to talk about the best scene by far. It might be one of the funniest scenes of the year. Tracy Letts. Ooh, I sat on my nuts, and then he goes for the the test drive, and Ooh. Matt Damon taking him on the test drive, and the length of that cry because we saw the cry in the trailers, the length of the cry had me yeah. crying, laughing. I thought it was hilarious. My theater like just <laughs> ate it up. The, the, the way that it was composed because it was a, finally one of the few times where you had you know Leo Baby you know coming down from wherever the hell his office is and like really trying to you know preempt everything that's going on and you had like the rest of the crew just kind of like you know you know obstructing his way to it. They lock him inside the office. They get yeah. him in there. They finally get the deuce in there and they gets inside the car and this big guy eyes him. It's so funny and like yeah the the, the cry was a lot longer um, than what I thought it was and then even at the end. You get like this poignant moment where 
it was like this this terror because he was unsure of his safety and then kind of it made me think about like you know what if my dad could be here to like feel yeah. this like that was really strong and they gave i mean it, it goes back they did make tracy let's this like overbearing presence like colby's right. saying but they still even in those little moments like that he didn't have a ton of screen time but you get a well-rounded enough character where you know this is a guy that's like he's got some features to him he's not one no i mean he had maybe half the screen time that leo bb did and leo bb couldn't get out of his own way as a character right <laughs> to the point where they have to lock him in the office which i thought was a great right setup yeah i agree to that scene because yeah. josh lucas has big of a dick as he was the whole movie lock him in the freaking office the <laughs> jerk he's such an overwhelming jerk but guys i mean one of my best belly laughs of the year and you're absolutely right colby the scene a- actually worked uh into that uh that that real feeling at the end uh, of the fact that this guy is the son of a great man and he's trying mm-hmm. to be a great man himself and he you know gosh darn it, he served in world war ii and led that war effort with all his factories i mean he was a great man in his own right but Look, Eddie Murphy behind the trunk of that car is Dolomite. The sex scene in Midsommar. <laughs> and now Tracy Letts is Henry Ford Jr., the deuce, crying and crying and crying. Best belly laughs of the year, in my opinion. Well, yeah. to be fair, I mean, I've never heard anyone laugh at a screen more than I've heard you laugh. At, I mean, my God, Colby, if you were in this Dolomite screening when we saw it. I was laughing at you not laughing at being mad at me for I, I thought so. something broke in your brain. <laughs> I, I was horrified that I was going to have to take you to the hospital. I blew a funny fuse. Has that never happened to anybody else? It was fun. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this, this, this. I was very surprised at how funny this movie was throughout. Like it was good. There was one more scene, and and, and I'll do this to counter Mike. One, you know, um, there's so many elements to this story that I shouldn't connect with, and that should be boring to me. Mm-hmm. But seeing Christian Bale explain to his son the perfect lap. And the way yeah. they did it was so interesting. Like, I was envisioning the perfect lap. He's like, you got to turn just right here. You have to hug this corner. I'm like, I would never in a million years would have thought, like, describing a lap around, like, you know, this racetrack could be so exhilarating to hear him explain. And I loved it. I would have been okay. I I, I, I kind of am with you there. I, I appreciated the Noah Jupe. Christian Bale scenes because I thought that was you know being a father is basically we were led to believe like I want to set a good example that's part of what played into Christian Bale's decision at the end Mm -hmm. to actually let up and let the other cars catch up with him and you know all that jazz so I'm okay with that and you're right it was a very heartfelt scene uh, I, it just, again, I go back to, it, it just felt, it was in the middle of that string of scenes in that B storyline where, where it was pretty much played as the main conflict of the movie, too, which I thought was a problem. Like that whole, we're going to fire, we're going to fire Christian Bale. When I, that kind of was like the emotional crux, which Damn I it. didn't and like. I, and I was just okay with you being okay with something, and now we have to go into worse. <laughs> right at the end. You're really good at this. You're really good at this, to weaving the arguments against us. Well, here's, here's what I'll say for worse. I mean, I've already yelled, and, and Colby was nice enough to not hang up on us. So I've I've said my piece for worse. Colby, we want to lead us off here. What did you? Uh, what were some low lights for you here? Yeah, Molly Miles backtrack or yeah. or whatever the the, the shoehorned in conflict that she had with Ken, where she felt like that she was being left out of the loop. That Ken Definitely. was working on the side because from what we saw, she's always been on board with this guy's full dream. And for me, being a creative and having a very supportive wife, like mm. having that is worth its weight in gold. And somehow she just felt so betrayed that she was willing to risk their lives on the road um it was a really a weird scene it felt a little odd and out of place to, to construct that scene because it felt like we had to f- kind of find this crack in this perfect veneer for molly miles um that it was just 
it didn't sit well with me because then and then I felt confused. I thought that I had missed something like, oh, it, this, I guess everything's not good. Yeah, I agree. It was like forcing a dimension. And unfortunately, they're like going back on what she just said. Like she was upset that he stopped racing. And then next thing you know, he's actually getting the racing opportunity of a lifetime. I wonder if it has something to do with it with the genders in the writing room too, because like she's like the lone female character with well, input. Think about you're it. able to make a rounded right. character in Henry Ford, who doesn't have much screen time. Here, Molly has a ton of screen time, and you it's it just a force, like you said. Dude, think about every single wife of every single athlete in every single sports movie. They're always the naysayer until they're won over at the end of Act Two. Oh yeah, it was so nice to see the opposite. Yeah, it's formula, right? Yeah. And it, it's like they went away from that and i was so Which refreshed was nice, yeah i was so refreshed mm-hmm. by the beginning of the movie like colby said i mean th- this is a reality out there in the world mm-hmm. you don't have to have every woman getting mad at every man for trying to go to work every day and feeling like this complex right as a guy <laughs> it's ridiculous it's not true it's just not true i mean it's true maybe some of the time it's not true most of the time well at least, at least i mean you don't need to play that trope in every sports game. you're saying it was nice to see that a different but take was had i agree they, like, and then yeah, they because they did that opposite take they feel like they have to force this kind of conflict in which don't ruin my fantasy of <laughs> patreona both what's wrong with you? Do, you do you have anything else you didn't like mike <laughs> Well, I, I only had one thing for worse scenes. I had he's difficult but good because I, I tend to like James Mangold movies, and I, I think he's pretty polished. I, I didn't have problems with the plot like you guys did at all. I mean, it worked on me. Maybe I'm a little more patient with this genre at this point, or I'm a little more. I guess I figure this genre is going to be what it is, mm-hmm. and I figure we're going to get what we get. So I, un, I, I see them taking this unfilmable race and i'm like pleasantly surprised at how they actually made it somewhat cinematic so i think i had a low bar and i did do some research in and out of this movie Mm -hmm. to where i kind of knew that this was like filming the boston marathon so if you get anything cinematic and anything really that fun i I was glad to get it and you know they had a bunch of fun scenes in between goes back to expectations yeah yours were probably i mean mine were super high because of the hype up that film twitter did and yours were more probably realistic uh colby what about you any more lowlights there anything else you wanted to comment on here Uh, mainly that was between that scene and the uh just the 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 construction of the you know the final scenes of the film was all really that i really had a problem with in this film Uh, otherwise than that I, i loved a lot of it that's that's fair. I mean, you're you're certainly you two of you are certainly more in the majority. This is a very well loved and beloved and well renowned film, and it's getting high scores all across every critic site and every user site. Uh, so that puts me squarely in the minority. I guess we will wrap up and put our final grades on it here, and I will lead off, seeing as I am the low man on the totem pole. We'll start low and we'll build up high, so you guys okay. can give your final grades. Uh, we have this Ford versus Ferrari movie from James Mangold. It does make the Le Mans experience a pretty cinematic event uh, for me. A lot of plot holes that kind of took me out of the movie, or at least script weaknesses that took me out of the movie, I'll say. I landed on this as like an 80-81 B-, minus, and I know that's incredibly that's low, and I favorable. apologize. And don't come for pitch, pitchforks and torches with me. Yeah, but B- minus is still a yeah. favorable review yeah. overall. So you, you had things... It was like, better than Parasite! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's strange to hear. <sighs> no, it's not. It's a joke. All right, listen, uh, I'm a B-plus 88. I think uh, I'm happy... With a movie like this, I'm glad that we get a $100 million film 
made for adults, made for the patriotic folk. I mean, that's that's cool. I like sports movies, and I like big-budget sports movies, and I want this genre to continue. We don't know what the box office is going to be quite yet, I don't think, Mike, because uh, we're yeah, filming I've seen this. Proje- I've seen projections. It's like 50 million-plus worldwide for the first weekend, so that's, that's probably bad. 20, 30 split, something like that. It's yeah. not bad. It's got a chance to at least make its money back, and if Colby's Oscar theory comes true, yeah. oh, it's making its money. Yeah. Colby, uh, you know, we spoke our piece. You're the star of the show here. We want to hear what you have to say. You have the final word. What's the grade here for Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah, this is an A-90. Nice. It's incredibly high. So, uh, how, now, your grading system, I've seen, I mean, for those who aren't familiar, obviously, Mike and I follow you uh, fairly closely on Twitter here. Where does this fall in line with how you've graded other films this year, other Oscar contenders? Yeah, the, on the Colby Tomey scale, it's, it's, I, I am very subjectively objective, and I really do allow the feelings that I have about a film at the end of it to really like really affect my score. Um, so it was a nine out of 10, um, but this is like on that lower nine. Um, I'm in the process right now of, oh my gosh, uh, I should have been doing this from day one, updating my letterbox ranks from 2019. Mm. Um, I've, seen, I, I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you have. have. 123 in the theater. Um, and I, all in all, when you, when you factor in all the other 2019 releases on different formats and stuff like that, I'm around like 160. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be in my top 10. Um, but it still is, it still is one of the best films that I've seen this year, uh, for a lot of different reasons. But when I've seen so many, it's kind of like hard to really make that cut. Sure. Sure. I was proud of myself this week because I went to the movies enough to like on my AMC A list to like earn you know free sodas and popcorns and stuff. Kobe, you must like every time you go in, they just might must give you like free sodas and popcorn with all the points you must accrue seeing 123 movies in theaters. My god, dude, I gotta be the AMC kids pack every time, so they yeah. get an easy seven dollars and 94 cents on top of my 23 dollars every uh, month. So, yeah. oh, jeez, yeah, you you have. You have uh, points accrued up, right? Don't you, like... Never mind points. You should have equity in the business. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if there's a glitch in the system, but, you know, every time that you watch a film, it still gives you money. Well, how's that work? Well, that's, oh, that's my thing. Like, I don't... I try not to buy, you know, stuff when I go there, but if I'm going, like... No, 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 no. Right. Anytime that you use your A-list, it right. still comes... It still counts as if, like, you bought the ticket itself for... Twenty dollars. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's what's so cool about it. it. Oh. Which it just—I didn't know that. I figured, like, okay, I'm giving you twenty-three dollars a month. You don't want no, to continue. They're legit. To keep it. They're legitimately it's, generous. Yeah. It is. It is nuts. But like, they don't talk about it. So I'm like, all right, I don't want to like break the apple cart or anything like that. But like, it is insane. So far, it says total savings since March of 2015 is fifteen hundred and twelve dollars <laughs> and Holy shit! I can't believe that number, but it makes sense. If you went to 123 movies, that's unbelievable. You are a yeah. true patron of cinema. AMC A-List is actually going to take you out right now. They're going to take you out, and, and they're going to kick you off, especially if any of their, they hired any of the movie pass people who got, who got fired. But I was like proud of myself after getting like $30 built up, and I couldn't believe like, I oh, didn't so you, realize. You like, to, you like to wait on it, right? I did. I did in this particular... The moment I get my $5, I'm quick to burn that (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Colby, thank you very much for participating and and, uh, coming on to chat with us. We've got to do this again sometime. This was awesome. Yo, this has been um, really, really fun. Uh, my first year doing this has been great, and you guys have been such a major supporter and factor in it. You make my week four times a week, and getting to be a part and collab with you guys just made it even more. Thank you. 
Well, thank you, man. Thank you for the kind words. We'll be sure to do this again. Colby Mack, thank you. I'm giving you my best Matt Damon face right now at the end of the movie. (laughs) I'm sad sad that you're leaving. This was so much fun, man. Thanks. Yeah, that was Colby Mack from ColbyToldMe.com, amongst a bunch of other places on the internet that Mike will fill you in. And like we said at the top, one of the most genuinely decent human beings we've had the fortune of coming across. Uh, Really cool of him to hop on with us, and that was a blast. Yeah, I had so much fun, and uh, we'll have to get him back, Mike, on another time. No question. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank Colby once again for coming on. As always, guys, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, certainly about our separate and individual takes of Ford versus (laughs) Ferrari. I would imagine some of you fall on the spectrum between where I am and where Colby and also Mike here are on the film and we certainly as always want to hear from you about those you can leave us those comments at mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts that's including and especially apple Podcasts. so if you happen to use apple Podcasts, happen to own an iphone with the podcast app or still use itunes if you go on that purple if it's on it's on the iphone that purple podcast app it's a podcast apple podcast app <laughs> little purple square see if i can say purple and podcast more uh it's got the little colby map White Colby Max sticking right. out of the middle of it. That's what we'll call it today. I'm, I'm just excited that you're going for the alliteration. Here. So, yeah, well done. Uh, I'll give the words of wisdom. I'll give the what's coming next because we got a lot coming down the pike here. We got interviews. We got OSPs of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and, and uh, Frozen 2. Every movie we've talked about. The Irishman. They're all coming, yeah. folks. So stay tuned, please. We're going to get one, of the, one or two of those a week out to you as well as our weekly shows and the news and variety shows are going to continue we may reviews review a couple movies during those as well yeah and in that vein mmo weekly is going to come out this week it probably will be tuesday we think maybe if not it'll be wednesday but you're definitely going to get an mmo weekly you're going to get an mmo weekly uh we got a lot of guests coming down the pike as well we Mm -hmm. booked a lot of people hopefully those you know that was dumb that was dumb of us we shouldn't have done that (laughs) but we're having fun with (laughs) where we could not thank everyone enough for for saying yes and we had a blast with kobe mack today so it's wise folks to Listen to the Kobe Told Me podcast. It is wise to listen to the Minorities Report film podcast. Mm. It is wise to go to ColbyToldMe.com and read all of his movie reviews. You heard how much the man is going to the movies. He is qualified to talk about these films. And and he's he's a great guest on the podcast, too. So he can definitely uh, run a show in in his own right. So listen to all those podcasts. Yeah, and hop on your Apple Podcast app. Leave Kobe, leave the Minorities Report pod a five-star review. Leave us a five-star review. We thank you very much for those that have and will means so much so and thank you once again to colby uh colby mack at the end of this and thank you for listening guys when reality sucks uh you can come watch movies of any kind with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you very soon see you. Give me, give me.